Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Adam, and today I'm talking to myself. And today, people out there, I wanted to talk about this new phrase that I've learned that has probably been around for a while. I don't know how when it was coined, but the, the phrase is relationship with food, right? So... Uh, earlier today, you know, Thanksgiving is tomorrow, as of this recording anyway, and I was thinking over the past couple of weeks leading up to the holidays, I kept thinking like, you know, I'm not eating so great, I don't really know where to start, um, some food just don't sit well with me, I don't really know how to prepare them, but I'm feeling the effects, I've been feeling that I get tired more easily, I feel that my sleep isn't good, I feel that... You know, I feel like I'm not as, as you know, when, my, when I don't have my shirt on, I'm like, you know what, you can do better, guy. You know, and so I've been making a few little changes here and there, trying to spice up my water a bit and, you know, um, cut out red meats because I know ultimately there's a lot of them that aren't particularly good for you because they're not prepared well. But, you know, I got to thinking, like, maybe there are some things I'm just buying into because I'm doing quick searches on Google or because... You know, I hear the same stuff that other people say uh, when we're talking about weight loss around this time of year or eating better. And so I took a little dive through the interwebs and eventually I found a video that were that was debunking 18 myths about diets and weight loss and exercise and things like that. But one constant that kept coming up, almost they had three different professional uh, dietitians who were talking about these different myths and how you could... Um, how you could approach them in a way to understand where the myths come from and how to know what's true and what isn't. And, but the one constant over and over and over that just kept coming up was the term your relationship with food. And, and I know that sounds weird, but I was like, what the frick is that? I don't even understand. Like, you keep saying it like I'm you know, I'm taking out on a date or something. Like, I don't, like, what does that mean? What does relationship with food mean? So, I took a little dive into Google. Um, and now there were a couple of different websites, but I was charmed by this one because it's quite literally called MyRelationshipWithFood.com. <laughs> and I thought, great. And then I realized that it is a book that somebody bought. It's a bunch of gluten-free recipes and, and things like that. And I thought, okay, well, one of the myths I was looking up was like, if you're not allergic to gluten, you don't got to cut out gluten. So I was a little leery about reading this webpage, but I read it anyway because it was a really interesting series of stories. And one thing that I liked about it was it was a very genuine take on what a relationship with food is. And not a single point in this article does it say, hey, buy my book. And so I thought, okay, I will share this with others because this wasn't just a clear like, oh, by the way, as I say on page 12 of my book in this recipe, bloobity blue, blah, 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 right? So I continued and after reading a few different definitions, this was probably the most, uh, let's call it sincere, um, sincere take on a relationship with food. So without further ado, this is what I have learned so far after kind of going through a few, just a few different web pages. By no means am I calling this research. This is just, I'm just, just looking for a few key terms and commonalities of, of what people define as a relationship with food. Also based on what I had witnessed prior with those other dietitians speaking on your relationship with food. So, 
Fuck, take a drink every time I say relationship with food, eh? Okay, so... Essentially, the idea is, is this person tries to equate it to a relationship with people, right? Like, one analogy they say is, you wouldn't invite somebody who you don't get along with or who makes you feel awful about yourself into your home voluntarily. Now, that's not to say that this doesn't happen on occasion because of social pressures, but the example is, you know, if you could choose to not be around somebody who makes you feel bad, you would not do it, right? And so part of this is they talk about how you when you're putting food in your body that you know is bad and it's and it's not so much let me put it like this it's not that you know it's bad but you know how it'll make you feel after you eat it and so that leads me to kind of a really important piece of what this relationship is so number one how it physically makes you feel after you've eaten it let's use thanksgiving since again like i said tomorrow as i record this is thanksgiving if you indulge a lot, knowing that you're going to feel sluggish, that you're going to feel, you know, kind of, I don't know. You know how, like, you just eat something really, really heavy, and then you just feel like a rock as you move around, or you feel like you just want to sleep? It's because what you put in your body is now not completely agreeing with what you usually put in. Oh, this is a special occasion. I'm going to really indulge here. And your body's like, all right, dude, it's like, imagine, you know, it's like putting too much oil in your car, too much gas in your tank. Like, it's going to overflow, it's going to wreck things. Or if you put the wrong oil in your car, it's going to cause some issues, you know. Um, and so they kind of equate it to, like, if you know ahead of time what this is going to do to you, and you do it anyway, that's a negative relationship that you have with your eating habits and your food right you know it makes you feel bad later but you're gonna eat it now right which leads me to the other point which is a psychological impact now this can go a lot of different ways but the psychological impact is you feel worse that you did it knowing that you did it and then you decide oh i'm gonna skip breakfast for the next two weeks or i'm going to I don't deserve this, or I'm just going to cleanse with juice for the next week because I did this. Like, that's a psychological damage that you're doing to yourself because you're treating it like you're a bad person because you did it, right? It's like knowing that, like, this is a little, I've been thinking about like this because recently I had a conversation with a friend about hangovers because I've never had one aside from if you count waking up from anesthesia. But, like, you know that you're going to drink yourself into oblivion and then wake up the next morning with a headache, with nausea, maybe more vomiting, uh, feeling sluggish, not feeling healthy. But you do it anyway, right? Because you want to indulge now. Like, that is a psychological um, battle. That is a negative connotation that you're adding to yourself, saying, like, when it comes to your food, saying, I know this is going to make me feel bad, and then I'm just going to... I'm going to feel awful about myself and then I'm going to punish myself by doing this or I'm going to punish myself by making myself run an extra six miles tomorrow because I did this to myself. If you treat it just like just like how with developing with children, if you treat it like it is like negative reinforcement is not good reinforcement. And I know that sounds weird to say because it said negative and good in the same sentence, but it's not powerful. It's not conducive to learning. It's not conducive to teaching. It's not conducive to development for you or for anyone. So if you tell yourself, I'm a bad person or I'm going to 
do this as a punishment because of what I did yesterday. That's only going to make you feel worse, and it's going to be a vicious cycle that's going to keep coming back, and you're always going to be running from those calories, not really seeing any... Well, let's just say, not really seeing the progress you could be seeing, the the full potential of said progress. So, so this kind of this they start to talk about how like there's a difference between like the psychological detriments and the physiological detriments when it comes to your relationship, quote unquote. So, the other one, the other way that the psychology kind of rears back is they say when you add a positive spin to how you prepare and how you consume the food, right? So I'm just going to kind of read this little section here because I think they'll say it better than how I will. But they say, you might not be aware of this, but the but both the food you ingest and the way you feel about it can impact you and your life. We all know that if you eat something that doesn't agree with you, it can ruin your day. And then it talks about how if you eat a heavy piece of cake, you feel 10 times worth after, which we talked about a little. But they say consuming sugary foods can leave you feeling fatigued and stop you from operating productively. But here's the important part. On the flip side, if you spend time lovingly preparing your food for yourself and for others, this tends to show up well in your body. For example, if you're feeling tired and opt for a green juice as opposed to a milkshake, it can enhance the way you feel in the very moment. Relationships only work with their fullest potential when both sides are cooperating. If you take time when considering what types of food you fuel your body with, it'll result in a much happier, healthier relationship. So. Essentially, they're saying if you take pride in the preparation, you take pride in knowing you're making a good decision, like positive reinforcement is always the better way. Again, just like with children, with adults, with anybody who's learning or developing or trying to create a new habit, positive reinforcement, right? You praise your child when they make their bed. You praise your child when they get an A plus on their test. That fuels them to want to keep doing it. So for you, you say, all right, I'm making a good health decision by doing this. I'm making another good health decision by doing this. I feel good that I'm cutting up carrots as opposed to just popping a chicken patty in the microwave. Like I am making a conscious decision to do this. I'm feeling good about it. The reward is that I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to feel healthier. I'm going to operate better as a human and function better as just a general person in society, right? So they talk about like, just psychologically, if you look at it as a as a reward as opposed to as a detriment, um, it starts to yield better results uh, for your mental health and for your physical health. And who the fuck doesn't want both of those things to be good? Like, I, I, I dare anybody, but like, if you go on the street and say, hey, how do you feel? Do you like being mentally damaged? Do you like having poor mental health? Who the fuck's going to say no? Who's going to say, or who's going to say yes, excuse me. Who's going to say, uh, yeah, I prefer to be terrible and no, I don't want help. I don't want anyone to help me feel good about myself ever. I'd much rather just sit in loathing because, um, yeah, I'm a piece of shit. You know, like if somebody gave you all the free therapy in the world, you fucking take it, right? If I were going to offer somebody after Thanksgiving, I'm going to physically train you for free right who's going to say no to feeling better about themselves physically and what they look like in the mirror right and so kind of this whole relationship with food idea is just like how you emotionally feel when you do it because it this affects you psychologically and physiologically so i thought that was kind of a cool i hadn't really thought about it before uh, and just to give you another um uh, the, another inverse example of how it can make you feel bad i'll read a little further into this um uh, 
into this. So they talk about, um, uh, there's a little section down here that says, I'm a firm believer in mindful eating and breaking this cycle that we seem to be drawn into. For example, how often do you allow yourself that extra bar of chocolate because you know you're going to the gym later? Maybe too often. Having a healthy relationship with food means stop looking at the food as a reward for exercise. It means making a conscious effort to put healthy, nutritious foods into your body and start noticing all the things you eat instead of the things that you shouldn't. Um, and this leads me to something that I do remember in the video I mentioned at the top of this uh, recording, where one of the gals who were doing the presentation talks about um, how uh, you... How did she put it? Um, she was talking about how when you're when you're going to pick your food, um, to write down what it is that you're eating or what it is that you're planning on eating, because it's a way. Even if you're, I know you've probably heard of calorie tracking, but it's not so much to say that you have to track your calories; it's to track what you eat. So, like, whenever you eat something, write it down. Think about like a like a reverse grocery list, right? And then when you when you look at it at the end of the day you you realize just what you put into your body right um it's like how some people will like have a list of things they're going to do for their exercise and they do it one after the other it's like in reverse order where you look at what you did after you're done so like all right i ate a banana you write down a banana i had a steak today you write down a steak right and then every time you eat you want to be conscious of what you're doing it and the way that she approached it i thought was really interesting was she says it's being real with yourself. It's being honest with yourself to be like, this is what I'm doing. Because I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when someone says, well, Adam, what do you, what do you eat in a usual day? Like, I really have to think about it. And I probably haven't realized how many times I've snacked or how many times I've drank something extra sugary or how many times I've, you know, eaten something that was heavy and fat. Um, you know, I guess, I guess I didn't really think about it. Um, all I know is I really like turkey meatballs. And not, tur not meatballs from turkey meatballs made of turkey uh, but um but but i found that to be very interesting to look and be like just be honest with yourself. what do you do every day like do you keep track of it and i think i'm going to give it a shot maybe i'll do another recording after to see um to see how that's going um and there's so much more about it about having a positive relationship with your food um, but there's one more little um, excerpt in this that I just want to read because I think I think this is something that you can apply not only to your relationship with food, but your relationship with others and your relationship with yourself. And so I'll just read this one more thing. Um, so she talks, she, this is towards the end of the article about like how you can make changes. And this person says, her name is Lisa Raukin, by the way. And she says, I know what you're thinking. It's all well and good talking about a positive relationship with food, but how can I attain one? Simple. Stop comparing yourself to others. You can make healthy swaps and consider what you're putting in your body and most importantly, practice mindful eating. Foods that agree with your body and foods that make you feel good. Um, you know, and I will say something I didn't mention, but I thought it would go without saying, but I'll mention real quick. Is that eating when you're stressed, eating, you know, quickly because you think you don't have time for breakfast or anything. All of those things also count as a bad relationship with your food. Anything that you associate eating with a bad emotion is typically not good. Right? So if you're eating because you're stressed, eating because you're angry, eating because you're in a hurry, all of those things um, 
it's just like drinking it's, it's just like people who drink to forget eating to cope is no better um so when this person says you know make healthy swaps be mindful mindful eating is a very powerful term as well for me um which uh, i think i need to be a little bit better about but i will say this stop comparing yourself to others is such a huge one not just for you know everybody looks again i know that we all know that marketing and magazines and and these model shows are all showing people that are usually an unrealistic representation of what everybody looks like that's not to say that you can't look like them or or be fit in some way that resembles them but those are people that have access to a lot of trainers or they starve themselves they usually have an unhealthy relationship with food or with themselves um and you're not always going to look like everybody else. It's not to say that you can't be as skinny as you want to be or as muscular as you want to be or, you know, just as, as comfortable as you want to be. But but comparing yourself to others when it comes to your physicality, what they have financially, their home, their dogs, their white picket fence, their cars, like you don't have to have what they have to be happy. You know, that's a negative relationship with possessions and money, uh, which is... the the reason I want to talk about this, because as I read, I realized that this applies to a lot of things, not just to food. But food is something that we can all, well, I put a little, put a little asterisk here, because there are some people who are food insecure and they can't always help these choices. So I want to be very clear as I round out this episode that I'm very aware of that, especially in the line of work that I'm in now. Um, but I will say that if you have access to your, you know, again, whether it's food assistance or if you're financially stable to buy the right foods, um, it's it just takes a couple decisions to make to help yourself just one little one at a time you don't have to do the the whole diet you don't have to do the fasting you don't have to do all the juicing you don't have to do all these trendy diets and, and exercises all at once to feel like you're making a difference and from what i understand usually that makes you fall off the wagon sooner because it's too many drastic changes at once right and so i'll leave you with one more piece of advice just to get started that I think I'm going to try, that maybe we can try together, is in that video I mentioned, one of the gals talks about bread. And she says um, that bread isn't bad for you if you buy the right bread. And she said a really easy tip for having good bread without, you know, feeling like it's too many carbs, because your body needs carbs for a lot of things, especially the fiber. Um, they're called complex carbs versus simple carbs. Look them up. It's a whole lot of information I couldn't freaking fit into this. Um, but anyway, a good tip for buying bread is if you look at the ingredient list on the bread, like those loaves of bread that you can buy, she mentions how a lot of those are, they have a shelf life of at least 30 days. They don't start to mold for 30 days, which means there's a lot of bad shit in them, a lot of preservatives. She says if you look at the label, if they have anything more than five or six ingredients in them, chances are that bread is not the kind of bread you need to be putting into your body. She says when you buy bread that's closer to the deli section, closer to the bakery, or if you buy just stuff from your local mom and pop bakery, typically they're only using three to four, maybe five ingredients to make that bread. And usually it's the usual stuff like yeast and whatnot that you just use to make bread. Um, so that's a very easy way if you're going to start buying bread for your family or if you want to keep bread in your diet but and you don't want to give it up, you don't have to. Just look for the bread that has less shit on the ingredient list. And she says it'll make a world of difference because 
She says to her, as a dietitian of 20 plus years, she loves bread. She would never dream of cutting bread out of her diet. She just eats the bread from the bakery, you know, near the deli, you know, where the healthier shit is. So there's my little tip, which is actually her little tip that I'm borrowing. Um, look for this. And, and, and actually, something I did start to do was using this similar mentality for other things. Looking at the back of... Well, when I buy sparkling water and I look to see, like, how much shit is actually in this? Is it actually just water? And if it just says carbonated water and flavor, I'm like, sick. If it says carbonated water, citric acid, this acid, that acid, keep acids out. I'm like, wow, man. For a long time, I was drinking stuff that I thought was flavored water, but just had so much shit on the back. I'm like, man, I've been putting acid in my body this whole time? Shit. So... The simple solution that I I haven't been applying to my bread at all like an idiot was looking at the back of the label and seeing how many ingredients are written on it and if I can pronounce half of them. Um, so that was her tip. Keep bread in your diet, just buy the bakery kind instead of the loaves. Um, she says it'll only last a couple of days, but just freeze it and pull it out when you need it, right? Anyway, that is enough of that. I just found that completely fascinating and I wanted to share as much as possible with all of you because, wow. Um, it's really gotten me between that video and then reading about the word relationship with food. I'm really kind of starting to think a bit about how I'm going to approach these things and I'll update you if I, if I'm successful moving forward, but food for thought, right? A healthy relationship with food for thought. Anyway, that's all. Um, thank you for making it this far. If you have, you're wonderful. I hope that you're feeling amazing. Um, if you celebrate Thanksgiving this time of year, I hope it's wonderful. Please try to be stress-free. If you don't, um, that's also cool. I know my Kiwi friends in uh, New, uh, New Zealand are getting summer, and I'm very jealous. So I hope that's great. Um, and yeah, as always, sincerely, uh, I truly hope that you're taking care of your mind, taking care of your heart, and most importantly, taking care of each other. Smell you later, tater. <laughs>